Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everyone. I'm uh, Pastor Tom. I'm pastor of our small groups here at Rockbrook, and we are in a series called What Time Is It? And this is week four of the series, and I get the the privilege of wrapping this series up today. And uh, we're, we've been talking about understanding the end times, and today I'm going to talk to you about, okay, so what do we do in light of that? How do we live? But um, I remember uh, a few weeks back when we kicked off this series, Pastor Ryland made a comment, and it really, really hit home for me. He said that, you know, it doesn't, we don't know if we're living in the last days. We don't know when Jesus is going to return. But we do know this one thing, that we're all living in our last days. And uh, my, uh, I, I'm almost 50 years old. I'll be, I'll be 50 in another year. My dad passed away when he was 57 years old. And so I wrestled with that. I mean, that, that hits home. You know, I, I can just only uh, imagine that my dad at my age never in a million years thought he would be living his last days eight years from now. And so as we talk about the end times and we talk about the last days, you know, it can create some anxiety. It can create some fear in our life. And, uh, you know, how many of you grew up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s like I did? Okay, so you're, you're going to kind of understand or connect with me on this one. How many of you remember the movie, movie Amityville Horror? Right? Man, that was a scary movie, you know? And how about The Exorcist? Maybe you remember that one. Oh, man, that one was really scary. I mean, you talk about being possessed by uh, the devil and all that kind of stuff. How about this Christian series called A Thief in the Night? How many of you remember that one? Man, that, if you didn't give your life to Jesus after watching that, I don't know what will. I mean, that scared me. And then, and then there was, um, the remember the Procter and Gamble rumor? You know, they had created this logo and it was a crescent moon with 13 stars and they were supposedly supporting the satanic church and if you use their products you're putting the mark of the beast on your body you know those are the kinds of things i heard what about the debit card remember when the debit card came out that was the one world currency and that's how you were going to buy and sell and trade things and no cash and so it was a scary time i can remember a couple of times like waking up in the morning and going downstairs and nobody's home. And I'm thinking, man, did the rapture happen? <laughs> you know, back then we didn't have smartphones. You didn't have 24-7 access to anybody. So you couldn't just call somebody or find a friend app and see where they're at. I mean, you'd call around on a landline. Nobody knows anything. And so that, that kind of freaked me out. And here's the deal. I don't, I don't want you to do what I did. And that was accept Jesus Christ into your life or have a relation with Jesus Christ out of fear. Because I grew up with the wrong perspective of Jesus and Christianity because of that. I treated Jesus like he was an insurance policy. You know, he was going to he was my insurance policy uh, to keep me from burning. He was my insurance policy to give me internal life. He was my insurance policy to wipe away all my tears and all my pain. 
And I just kept doing what I was doing. I want us to look at this verse, 1 Chronicles 12.32. It says, The men from Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel should do. That kind of just really talks and speaks into what we've been doing over the last few weeks in this series. And um, I think Pastor Kelly and Pastor Ryland have done an awesome job of explaining and helping us to understand the, the, the end times and the last days and what that means for us and just giving us some encouragement and some hope. And like I said today, I want to help you to understand, okay, so now in light of all of that, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And I want to help you to specifically understand how to live for eternity. And to do that, I think that we first have to understand what is God doing now? So, because what God's doing aligns my life. I need to align my life to his agenda. So here on your outline, the first thing that God is doing right now is that God desires that everyone is saved. God desires everyone to be saved. We're going to look at a verse here. It's a very probably familiar verse to you. You've probably heard it before. And what I've come to understand that the more I read a verse, look over a verse, the more familiar I get, get with it, I just tend to just glance over it. And I, I really don't just let it soak in. And we're going to look at John 3.16. It says, For God so loved. How many of you want God's love? I do. Who did God love? The world. God loves the world so much that He gave. How many of you love gifts? I love gifts, and God wants to give us a gift, and that gift is very precious. He says, He loved the world so much that He gave His one and only Son that whoever, whoever, that means anyone, Anyone has access to this gift. Whoever believes in him. So everyone has access to this gift. Everyone is loved by God. But God says, if you want the benefits of this gift, then you have to believe in my son. And when you do, you, you shall not perish and you will have eternal life. What a benefit. God loves us that much. He doesn't want us to perish. He doesn't want us to live a life separated from him. He wants us to live an eternal life with him forever. So here's what I hear from that verse. It's, you know, despite how ugly the world may seem, when we turn on the news and we see some people doing some just wackadoo stuff, right? God loves them. He loves people that dis disagree with him. He loves people that are living a life that he wishes they wouldn't live. There are some really, really bad people on this planet. And guess what? God loves them. That's good news. I got to tell you, that's good news for me. Because I know I've blown it. It's good news that God loves me, and he loves you, and I want you to know that today. But there's something even more important than that. 
He loves you, but he wants to save you. He wants to save you. Here's the the second thing we need to understand about what God is doing now. So if God wants everyone saved, then God must have a plan to reach the world. If he wants everyone saved, then he must have a plan to do that. Romans 10, 14 through 15, it says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. You know, I like to say this, that God turns a whoever into a someone. He turns a whoever into a someone. And here's what I want to tell you, that when, when you make that decision, that, hey, I don't want to be a whoever, I want to be a someone, you become part of God's plan. You become part of the plan. He wants someone to go and tell them. If you're a believer, you're a someone, and he wants you to tell people about the good news. Look at this, and it says, the verse said, and how will anyone go and tell without being sent? So the question is, are we sent? I mean, you know, we think missionaries are sent, or maybe pastors are sent, but are you sent? Acts 1, 6 through 8, it says, Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. I want to stop right here for a second. So the disciples are asking the question, Lord, when are you going to reign as king? They're excited about this. When is this going to happen? When are you going to overthrow Rome and set up your kingdom because we want to reign with you? It's the same question that we've been asking. When are the last days? When is Jesus going to return? What are the times? What are the signs? And Jesus says, I want you to notice this. He says, I don't want you to get too wrapped up into that. I don't want you to get wrapped up in that. I don't want you to focus on that. He goes on to say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says, you will be my witnesses. What does a witness do? They give a testimony, right? They just say, this is what I saw. This is what I heard, and this is what I experienced. That's what a witness does. They just give a testimony. And it's up to everybody else to decide, okay, is that true or not? Do I believe that or not? But I want you to hear me out. God does not ask you to save anyone. Here's the reality. We couldn't save ourselves. We needed Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. Here's the... Here's the The awesome part about that, it takes a lot of pressure off me. Because whether someone's saved or not, I don't have to worry about that. All I need to do is to do my part, and that's be a witness. You know, tell people what I've heard about Jesus. Tell people about the life 
transformation that happened in my own life when I believed in Jesus and he came into my life. I tell people about the transformation I'm seeing in other believers. I show unbelievers, this is who you need to go to to receive salvation. God loves you and and I point them the way and I show them how to receive God's love, how to receive his salvation. I'm just a witness. And then it said the ends of the earth. You know, here's the deal with the disciples. They didn't have transportation like we have. You know, they were limited to a geographical area. But here's the cool thing. They had the awesome privilege of kicking off God's plan in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But we, the church, have the privilege to taking and finishing this plan to the ends of the earth. That's our part. Matthew 28, 18 through, uh, 18 through 20, it's the great commandment. We, we um, use this verse quite often around here. It's a key verse for Rockbrook. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus has authority. And he's telling us what to do. He says, therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all my commands. And then what's he say? I will be with you to the very end of the age. He'll be with us as we're being witnesses, but he wants us to do it to the very end of the age. So does God want everyone saved? Yes, he does. Does he have a plan? Yes. But I want to tell you something, that reaching the world with Jesus and Jesus' return are very much connected. Look at this, your next fill-in. God is waiting until the completion of his plan to return. God is waiting for the completion of his plan to return. Matthew 24, 14, it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony So there's that word, testimony. It's tied to being a witness, a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You know, this is an incredible passage, and the more that I study Scripture, the more um, I begin to understand that God does not bless His people until they move, until they do something. God has blessings He wants to just bless our socks off. And he's saying, I'm ready to do it. Church, go. And I'll bless you. I'll be there. It's the same thing with salvation. Whoever believes gets the blessing. So you kind of have to do something. I have to believe in Jesus. And then I get the blessing. You know, who is saved? Who isn't saved? Who accepts God? Who rejects God? That's, That's not on me. That's between them and God. But it's up to me to be a witness. You know, when this verse refers to nations, it's really talking about people groups. You know, there are 195 countries. And according to the Joshua Project, there are over 16,000 people groups that make up these countries. And there's all kinds of things that make up people groups. It's languages and it's geographical and it's cultural But out of these 16-plus people groups, there's a little over estimated 250 people groups that are unengaged, unreached people groups. 
And that means they have no missionary, they have no Bible, and they have no church. They have never heard the good news. You know, and that's why Rockbrook Church is investing. We're interested in what's going on in Nepal and India. Nepal and India are ripe with unengaged, unreached people groups. We as a church family, we are interested and and we are passionate about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. You know, if, if we as believers, if we want Jesus to return, if we really do, then we will take the gospel to all nations, to all people groups. We have to do our part. We have to do our part right here in our community and around the world. So that's what God's doing. So, so what should I do in light of that? How do I live for eternity? Matthew 24, 37 through 44, it says, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. I want you to catch this. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And that is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working on the construction site. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be working in an office. One will be taken, one will be left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. It goes on to say, understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he and Mr. Remington (laughs) would not permit his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready at all times, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. You know, as believers, we need to realize what is going on, and that's what we've been talking about over the past few weeks. We need to keep watch, and we need to be ready. So how do we keep watch? How do we, how do we get ready? But here's something I think that happens to a lot of us, and it's happened from to me from time to time. You know, I get complacent. I get distracted. You know, I get focused on my agenda instead of God's agenda. I have these things, these dreams, these plans that I I want to fulfill in my life, and and I kind of get sidetracked. You know, it's very easy to get, get in a place to where we think that, man, if, if this one thing, if this one thing would just go away, in my life, then I will do what God wants me to do. Or if this one thing, this one thing, if it would happen, it would just free things up in my life, then I will do what God wants me to do. Or I want this one thing, I want to see this one thing happen in my life, and then I will do what God wants me to do. But it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. This life we are living is about Jesus. And he wants everyone saved. And he has a plan to reach the world, and the church is a part of that plan. That plan hinges on us completing the plan. 
It says we must keep watch. We must be ready. It said people didn't realize what was going on. And it was because they were caught up in their own lives. You know, they were partying, they were going to weddings and banquets. They were just living their everyday lives. They got sidetracked, they got distracted. But we, we need to live our lives for eternity. We need to align our lives with God's plan and God's purpose. I want to look at some verses out of the book of 1 Peter. And the reason I go to 1 Peter is because Peter is writing to some Christians that are going through some very hard times. They're being persecuted because of their faith. And some are being executed because of their faith. And so he's writing to these believers. And, and, and they, they believe they are in the last days. They believe that Jesus, he's got to be coming back soon. I mean, it's getting bad. And the reality is some of these believers were living in their last days. They were going to be executed. Here's what Peter says we need to do. They're on your outline. The first thing he says we need to do is 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is near. So he's writing to the believers and he says the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. So you're filling there on number one, should, it should, it's I should think clearly so I can pray. I should think clearly so I can pray. Look, here, here's, here's, what, here's what happens. When we worship, when we get into God's Word, and when we pray, it realigns our life. It realigns our mind. And it refocuses us on God's agenda and not, not my agenda. You know, the Bible says that when we renew our minds, then our actions follow. And I believe the number one reason that a lot of Christians, they, they feel stressed, they feel tired, they feel tapped out, they don't feel like, they don't feel God's presence in their life, they're, they're, they're not seeing God answer their prayers, it's because they're not praying with a clear mind. You know, many of us are living with this mindset that my problem is big, my God is small. My problem is too big and my God is too small. But when we worship, when we get into God's Word, then we can play, pray with a, a, a clear mind. We can pray from a different perspective and we can then begin to, to see that our problem is small and our God is big. My problem is small and my God is big. My problem is small and my God is much bigger than that and I worship Him. I need to be able to think, or think clearly so that my my prayers align with God's plan and God's purpose for my life. So for instance, do I pray that my kids' ball team will win the game this weekend? You know, what about the other Christian parents on the other team? They're praying the same thing. But what if I had a different perspective? What if I said, Lord, win or lose, I want my family to be a witness to the parents, to the coaches, and to the umpires. Lord, win or lose, I want the opportunity to share the gospel on that ball field today. That's a different perspective. God, I really want to marry this person. Please make it happen. Or, 
God, is this person the right person? God, is this the person that's going to join me and come alongside me and encourage me and support me as we together fulfill your plan and our purpose for your life? That's praying with a clear mind. That's praying God's agenda. Number two, what should we do now? I should focus on relationships. I should focus on relationships. Peter says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You know, these believers are facing extreme hardship and Peter says, you need to have people in your life. You need to surround yourself with people who love you deeply. So let me ask you this. Do you have a small group of believers in your life that love you deeply? Do you have people in your life that have your back? You know, I don't know about you, but I need people in my life that can come alongside me with a clear mind and pray for me and correct me, encourage and support me to be the man that God has called me to be. You know, th- th- this verse says that, we, uh, that love covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means to me. It means loyalty. It means loyalty. If I blow it, if I mess up, you've got my back. You're not going to shun me. You're going to come alongside me. And you're going to show me loyalty. And you're going to help me get back on track. You know, as believers, we shouldn't air our sins for the whole world to see. We should love each other deeply and help each other get back on track. You know, the Bible says, if you have something against a brother or sister, you should lay your gift at the altar and go make amends with them. It says that if, if, uh, it says if you are a brother or sister, you shouldn't take each other to court. Why? Because unbelievers shouldn't be settling our matters. Now, am I saying that we should just sweep things under the rug like it's no big deal? Absolutely not. Did God sweep our sins under the rug and just kind of wink at them and say no big deal? No, it was a big deal. It was a huge deal. Jesus Christ paid for our sins on the cross. His love, His deep love for us covered a multitude of sins. What I'm saying is is that you need to have people in your life that love you deeply. They are part of the problem, part of the solution, and they love you so much they want to see you get back on track and fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. Number three, what should I do now? I should make a difference. I should make a difference with my life. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, 
They should do, do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You know, serving is an act of worship. Serving is being Christ-like. When we serve, God gets the glory. You know, you said early, earlier that you liked gifts. God is a gift giver. He not only gives you the gift of salvation, he gives you spiritual gifts. And we talk about those in step three of our growth track. But God gives you spiritual gifts and he gives you those gifts so you can fulfill his plan and his purpose for your life. So how do you live for eternity? By serving others. You serve others with the gifts that God has given you. you know, this Sunday, you can take step four, join a team. Step four is all about our dream teams. And our number one value for our dream teamers is that they love to serve. They love to serve others. And then on July 13th, is Rockbrook Serve Day. Yeah. And, and, and Serve Day is all about, you know, our dream teamers, they serve inside these walls. They, they make these weekend services happen. Serve days is, is us as a church going outside these walls and into our community. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Gather some people together. Maybe that's your small group, or maybe it's just a few friends. Gather some people together Find a need in the community and then serve on serve day together. You know, last year we had over 500 people participate in serve day. They, they, they spread out all through this community and they made a difference. There's still sometimes that people will talk about the people in the blue shirts picking up trash around along 58 Highway. So get plugged into serve day and make a difference. Get on the dream team and make a difference. God wants everyone saved. And he has a plan, and that's us, the church. That's me and you. And he's waiting on us to fulfill that plan. So what do you do? You think clearly so you can pray. You, get in, you worship together, you get into God's word together, and that clears your mind and it realigns you. You focus on relationships. You need deep relationships in your life. You need to get into a small group. You need to have a small group of people around you. And then you need to make a difference. You need to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ. That's how we live for eternity. You know, the, the other day, I received a, a gift card. And um, I got this gift card from somebody with no strings attached. I did absolutely nothing to earn this gift card. And this gift card right now, it's just a piece of plastic with, with a, a number on it. And for me right now, if it's in my pocket or in my wallet, it, it's really of no value. It's just a piece of plastic. But to the person who bought the gift card, it has a lot of value. They, you know, they, they worked, they earned money, and, and they went and they bought this card for me. They wrote a nice message telling me how much they love me. And they took the time to deliver it. And if you're here today, and you've never believed in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're on the fence. I want you to know that God has a gift for you. And just like this gift card, this gift card has an expiration date. God's gift to you has an expiration date. 
and it expires and you pass away or Jesus returns. But God wants me to tell you today that you can redeem that gift today and it has value. You'll have eternal life and you won't perish for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. God wants to turn you from a whoever into a someone. And if that's you today, I want you just to, all you got to do to receive this gift is all you have to do is just pray. You know, prayer is just simply talking to God. And so I, I just, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to say a prayer with you and you can just follow along with me. And I encourage you, church, just let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I know me and the things I have done. And it blows my mind that you would love me and want to save me. Lord, I thank you for loving me. I don't want to perish because of my rebellion and my rejection of you. I'm sorry. Jesus, today I accept you into my life. I want, you to, be, I want to be your loyal servant for the rest of my eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.